It's time to talk some blues hockey. Welcome to the Blues NHL podcast, hosted by former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and former Blues enforcer Darren Kimball. And we got a problem in front of the hog bench. Kimball pulling it, Ronick. Here's Kimball swinging it, Ronick wildly, and the linesman trying to get in between them. Look at Raddick, he's dropped the gloves with Rivers. The referee or the linesman should yeah. jump in here. You can't let a guy like Rivers continue to throw punches. Federico stolen from Reinhardt, breaking in to Hunter. Hunter shooting, rebound, Recognize the score! Here comes Shovel Day, he'll be thrown out of the game! Curtis Joseph grabs Shovel Day, and the two goalies go at it! Head to head, and Joseph with three great rights! New Terjana Hall looking for 500, he shoots, he scores! Brad Hall, number 500! Tarasenko, in the clear, he scores! And now, here's your off-ice official, Jim Cromer. Hello, Blues fans. Welcome to this uh, post-All-Star Weekend edition of your Blues NHL podcast. I'm your off-ice official, Jim Cromer, and I'd like to uh, thank our friends at lineupmedia.fm as we come to you from their Yo! Radio studios here in wonderful Edwardsville, Illinois. Uh, Yo Radio, download it today uh, on your mobile device. It's free in your mobile app store. You guys will enjoy it. Uh, cool little blues thing coming down the pike for Yo Radio. A little blues station for you guys to listen to your favorite blues talk. Um, excited about that. But uh, we do want to thank them for their continued support. And, of course, our good friend Randy Green at InnovativeCompanies.com had the uh, chance to have uh, – some Adam Smokehouse with Randy last week and talk about the show and this year moving forward. We're going to do some fun stuff, but um, I want to thank him. He's uh, up to 36 years now of experience, second-generation craftsman, and, uh, of, of course, got you covered no matter what it, what it takes. Construction, heating and cooling, the electric team already enable at your disposal. He's your man. Get him involved early in the project. Save yourself time, energy, and money. That's Randy Green with InnovativeCompanies.com. Well, I say the uh, post- all-Star Weekend podcast because the, again, I, I understand that it is what it is, but in the infinite wisdom of somebody somewhere important, you know, the Blues not only, did, you know, haven't played a game in the last however many days, they don't play again for numerous days. So I'm not quite sure what to, to cover other than some All-Star tomfoolery and hijinks which is what I'll call it. Um, we can talk a little bit about uh, you know, how we see this post-All-Star stretch playing out for our St. Louis Blues. As I would say changes are inevitable along with uh, whether or not there's a realistic opportunity there for, for the Blues. The numbers would say there's a realistic opportunity there, um, what they will do with it. I, I mean, I'm a fan, so obviously I'm always hoping for them, but wondering what they're going to do is a complete another thing. I, and they brought that on themselves by their up and down roller coaster ways. So uh, rather than freak out about it, rather than stress out about it, I'm just going to watch the Blues and have fun. And hopefully, some guys finish strong. Uh, one of the guys that is not disappointed from the first drop of the puck this year and continued his uh, fine play this this weekend at the All Star competition was one Ryan O'Reilly. And to discuss a little bit of this and give me some thoughts and opinions is. 
some of you love him. Some of you love to disagree with him, and that makes it a lot of fun for us here, especially some for him. Some of you as, failed to answer questions. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. I knew that was coming after <laughs> drinking a beer with you Saturday night. Um, our one, the only, coming off his 100th, for 100th win as a hockey head coach uh, at McKendry. And congratulations, by the way. Coach Henson from the McKendry Bearcats. What's going on? Hey, thanks, man. Happy pretty to cool. Be here. Yeah, it was pretty cool, no doubt. Um, you know, it's it's uh, one of those things where you're where you you know you got to say I had a bunch of great players. So um, it's the truth. My one of my favorite memories. I loved your dad. You know that he gave me a chance when a lot of people probably wouldn't have to to do something I wanted to do. Yeah, and um, great guy, fun guy, <laughs> um, tough as nails on the uh, bench though. I mean, I you're telling me. I know. I know you caught the brunt of his antics. <laughs> If you, if anybody, like we have a lot of people. Darren Kimball lives in Granite City, coaches in Granite City. I'm from Granite. Gary's from Granite. We both played hockey in Granite. Um, lots of really good hockey players have come out of Granite over the years that we're still friends with. They love the Blues. They listen to the show. They do a great job of promoting the show for us with their crowd. Talked to Mike Cheris the other night, who was a great player. He t- tells yeah, people Mike all the time. Was a stud. Yeah, Nathan uh, Weaver, Todd Hennister, all these all guys, guys that were really, really good players do a do us a Chris Gocklin, they do us a great yeah. service of of sharing our stuff and we appreciate it. And I know I'm missing names and and I'm sorry, but you know, that's the names that come to mind. Especially in, in this Yeah, especially in this in this time frame that I'm that I'm discussing. But um well i if you know anything about the old Granite City rank, um before they they renovated it here, I don't know how many years ago they did it, but the the bench obviously uh it, there was very close to the penalty box, but there was no divider. So uh, Gary had the uncanny ability to straddle the bench to the penalty box. And if you did something, his dad, Gary, Gary, big Gary. Um, So I, I, I wasn't as good a skater. I could do other things. Okay. But I wasn't as good a skater as the others because I didn't start playing as young. So, and I, I tried to play a physical style and didn't do that very well either because it seemed like every time I hit somebody, I'd wind up in the penalty box because I, I would have my el- my elbows too high. And in high school hockey, back then, if your elbows were above your waist, they'd call you for it. Like now it was, if you breathe on them, they yeah. call you. So long story short, you know, Gary, you know, liked the way I played, but, um, you know, I'd get the tap on the back. Number 27 is irritating me, and I'd go out and do what I do. And not fighting back then. It was just go out and play hard, right? And so – but I'd get penalties all the time, and, and he would come up to me in practice and say, you know, I want you to skate as hard as you can, and I want you to hit the wall with your elbows below your waist. And that was his way of beating on me about doing it and yet getting the game. And the... So anyway, I would get the old step across, and you have to wear a face mask or a cage. And back then, this is right when iTechs were coming out. So everybody had a cage, basically. And he would grab you like he was grabbing a bowling ball in the face mask, and he would shake your head. And, and he would look at yeah, me and say, USA Hockey, face yes. mask is a penalty. I think yeah. that should apply yes. to coaches. Mr. Cromer, can you not hit somebody with your elbows below your waist, please? You know, and it just, it, it just a lot of fun. But um, for hit, one of my greatest memories was, I can't remember the number, but um, your dad's career win, it may have been, I don't know what it was. It might have been 200, 300. I don't know what number it was. But we got in a full-blown – and ba- and listen, for all you guys that play hockey now, back in the day, if you got in a fight, you were suspended and fined. It wasn't like – 100 bucks a pop. Okay, it wasn't like – I mean, you were and you were suspended. So nobody really fought back then. 
I mean, everybody talks a good game, but there wasn't a lot of fights. If there were, they were usually full-on, like, total control lost situations. In fact, I think that's how that helped one of the teams make it to the arena one year because isn't that true, Gary? Like one of you, like yeah, we made it to the arena because uh, there was a full-out brawl with uh, a team that was better than you. I mean, you guys were yeah, really good. McClure North. That was the year before I played varsity. Kid broke his femur in that yeah. fight. It was crazy. And but but they were really really good. And like if I'm not mistaken, one of their best players got hurt, and one of their best players got suspended. Four. Or four, yeah, it was something like that. They lost, my, like their top four guy. So anyway, you guys wind up beating them when you may have beaten them anyway. But my point was, is they were supposedly better than you, and that's it worked out that way, which was phenomenal. But because um, it's just, I don't mean phenomenal that way. It's just interesting <laughs> how things happen. But for your dad's, like, I can't remember if it was like his three hundredth or maybe his four. I don't remember what it was, but we remember we got in a full on brawl. I mean, East. yes, it, it hit at the buzzer. Todd Hennessy and Johnny McElroy. And I mean. And so, if you guys oh, can no, imagine, I'm sorry. John, it was the, yeah, it was John. The whole like the benches are clearing because the game's over, so everybody's coming out to shake hands. And I think they hit our guy, and Todd comes in, and no, blo- Todd and John came together at the buzzer, and then Rick McClary came over. Oh, okay, yeah, because Todd was Todd was our best player, so I can't remember who retaliated, but be, all but, hell broke loose. Yeah, and you know, and and your dad, who you know, was like. Who was like that is you guys have to control? You know he was pissed, and if you can only imagine Gary being, and um, you know whoever did it, and I can't remember who it was. It may have been I, I don't remember who it was, but they were like, "What do you want me to do?" Todd's our best player, stand up for him. Or I think you may have like defended the person to him, which was a big mistake on your part. Yeah, but the coolest fun. part of the whole deal was is Matt Krakovich <laughs> sitting in his chair, and your dad is fume, absolutely fuming, and he's screaming <laughs> at the top of his lungs and everything, and Matt just busts out. Happy 300th win, Gary. <laughs> and, and he just looked at him and gave him the finger and F.U. Krakovich and out he walked. And that yeah. was how we celebrated. So I don't know if your 100th win went anything like that. but that No, was a, my 100th win. That uh, was a fun moment for, it was, for me. There was a scuffle, but nothing mm-hmm. nothing too big. And for the record, in that uh, melee, I guess, um, against Hazelwoodies, I got the living crap beat out of me. Just so you know. I think Krakovich did, too. No, I, well, I think he, he got thrown around he, by a guy actually, that was like a the guy that was throwing Krakovich around threw Krakovich into the guy that was beating the crap out of me, which knocked him down, which I think saved me from another thirty to forty. You knew those kids. Kicking. I can't remember why if you played with them when you were little or something. But well, you there knew was them. Th- there was three of them. But on one of the guy that beat up Krakovich, I think you said was a gymnast or something. Yeah. So he was like a full blown <laughs> like bodybuilder dude. Yeah. So anyway, it you know. Fun times, and, and again, uh, I appreciated the heck met, out of it. And, you know, our, Tim was Tim Patterson was leaning over the glass, one of our buddies in the crowd, leaning over the grass yelling at me to fight back, and I yelled, I'm trying, as the guy was punching me in the face. It was good. Um, so, you know, good times then, and your 100th win, congratulations, as we <laughs> went off on a tangent. But to get back on a, a tangent of blues, uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Um, Who? Ryan O'Reilly, you ever heard of him? Pretty good player, plays for St. Louis Blues. Really? Yeah, uh, we stole him in a trade, oh, basically. Gotcha. Absolutely thieved him in a trade. You think? Yeah, um, pretty good player. Uh, you also, think the NHL start doing, like NHL teams will do more of a vetting process with some, with some trades to make sure not only is the guy healthy physically, but maybe mentally? I'm well, not kidding. Um, <laughs> you know. No response. I, 
Well, honestly, like, well, I mean, it's like that. anything in life, right? Like, how often does something like that happen? It doesn't, but if it happens once, it's significant. Not not just because of the care of like, I mean, nobody wishes um, Patrick Burgley and anything. You bad. know what? I, He's probably I, well, yeah, but here's what I would say. I, but I, it also affects that team greatly. Uh, does it? Yeah, I mean, they get to not pay him. I understand that, but they also thought they were getting something, and now they don't. Have Listen, anything. let me tell you this: Do you right think now. they make that trade if Burgley's not in it? Well, right. No, See? I, I don't. Yeah, I do because Burgley. That was a salary portion of the trade, in my opinion. Here's the thing: I'm going to tell you. If anybody in Buffalo thought they were getting something in Patrick Burgley, maybe they should have, be examined. Maybe their head should be examined. Well, I'm not going to disagree because with that I'm going to tell you I'm that just, everybody honestly, in our room like here. I said, it, I said it tongue in cheek, and as I was saying it, I was thinking, well, maybe they will. I don't know. I well, I mean, I if you would have asked me a year ago, would would you be okay with Patrick Berglund walking away, and we could get rid of him for nothing if he just gave up his money? I would have said, where do I sign? Unfortunately, here's what I think. Unfortunately, and this is purely speculative. Oh, okay. Unfortunately. He may have been dealing with this for years and maybe never lived up to his potential because of it. Uh, maybe. That's, that's I mean, that, that's a deep question. I, you I know, know what? Let's save that for Jamie because yeah, Jamie will be with us shortly. Uh, Mr. Rivers. There, Mr. Rivers will be with us shortly. You know what, though? That's a great question. And I haven't, surprisingly, I haven't seen anybody bring that up. Like, well, you know, I'm usually the smartest guy in the room. So. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Don't even. That's the Twitter um, people. So. You know, I, I that's an interesting thing, interesting take. I think it's something to uh, to to explore. I don't know. Well, I, I think will. It's a lot of resources. That's a great. Save that question for Jamie when he's here in about ten minutes. Because I tell think, me to shut up. No, I think it's a great question, and I'd be right. curious his thoughts because my and again, I'm just speculating here, like you are. My guess would be is that he will say, "I doubt it," only because before he was traded. I mean. I, you would think you would show any signs at all, and it never, ever has been like. No, no. There now there is a sign. Like in hindsight, sure. there becomes a sign. So when there were weeks, as you used to say, as I used to say, as Kimby used to say, there'd be weeks this guy wasn't a, a factor at all, and then he would show up for a couple weeks. I see. Okay. I see. Okay. So right, what? What if Patrick Berglund was dealing with something? Um, this whole time, I think we're gonna find that out. Maybe if he continues with his his recover, you know, not recovery, but let's say process to um, okay to help control what he's dealing with because that's a serious issue, and more and more of that sort of thing is coming to light with more and more athletes and more and more just people, and uh, maybe we'll see something come out of that with Patrick. And, um, well, maybe feel, I don't, you know, all you can hope is that he, you know, he I don't, feels well um, at some point because he obviously doesn't. I, here's the deal. I, I will say this. I don't wish that on anybody. I mean, no, I, I, I don't care. Serious. Yes. Think about how serious this is. It's serious in all situations, but it's so I mean, it's serious. That guy gave up what? 12 mil. Yeah. I mean, I, that's how that's. That's, that's I, an exclamation well, point. Well, here's what I'll say. Patrick Berglund has money if he's done, if he hasn't blown his money. He has some money, monies. <laughs> um, what I would say is, to your point, I mean, that is walking away from a substantial amount of more monies. So to be happy, um, 
And it's the money. Is there a that, price on it? Well, it's I, the I'll money, say. right? But is, there's the money at the end of the career, which is always the most important for the athlete, because it's at the end of their career, and they still have, you know, a long life ahead of them. Because most of them are in their, you know, mid thirties, late thirties. No, no, I, 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 I hear you. And, and again, I, I don't wish that on anybody. I don't care what I think of them as, a, as a hockey player, to be quite frank, and or as, as a human being. I, it could be. Could be somebody I don't even like, and I don't wish that on them because it's just I. It's not a good thing. I, I don't wish any health issue on anybody. I mean, it's awful to go through, light or small, but or yeah, bigger. Like I had pneumonia last week. Oh Jesus! But you had something, man. Um, so my thing would be, um, we we came out on the better end of the deal. Obviously, Ryan O'Reilly has not disappointed. I don't know about you, but that's how I look at it. <laughs> has not disappointed. There's an- um, statement of the well, year. I mean, that doesn't. I mean, I, I, Thanks, I feel John mad. Well, I feel bad for for Patrick Berglund, and well, let's I mean, move I, on. Talk about ROR. Yeah, I, he's a hell of a player. It was a good trade for us. Um, you know, Doug Armstrong has pulled a couple rabbits out of his hat. Um, where we go from here? All star breaks over. We come back on Sunday. We're gonna have games in hand on teams. We're in what I would call striking distance. Is it close enough? I mean. By the numbers, it's close enough because, quite frankly, surprisingly, there's some teams that typically in the in our division, in our conference, that aren't playing well either. Now, I can tell you that a couple of points the other night in L.A. would have went a long way towards me going, man, it, we, we really are right there. now, But we're still there. Um, I, I don't know that I'd bet on it bet one on way or the other. A bet on them making it? Yeah, but Ooh. I I'm not like sitting here going no way. I don't, are you? I mean, like if I had to ask you to put a thousand dollars on it, are they making it or not making it? No. <laughs> I said that really. Fast. You <laughs> did say that fast. <laughs> I said that quick. Uh, you yeah, s- but that's which that, means that that's okay, what you really well, believe. That's what you truly believe is that they ain't making it. No. Here, okay. First of all. I believe in the facts, and the facts are math-based here. The percentage of is there; it's greater that they won't make it than well, they sure, will. So that's why when you say to me, you know me. If you say to me, make a $1,000 bet, I'm going to look at the math and say, okay. So, um, However, do I wish them to? Kind of. Well, that's a great question because Man, I know caught, because I know I know how some, you think. There's some guys out there that I would like to see come to the Blues, or some guys that well, but the problem is on the Blues. I'd okay, like so to here's see go play somewhere. Okay, else. so here's a question: mm-hmm. If you don't make it, it doesn't do you any good to barely not make it. You need to be awful in today's world. Do you agree I, with that? Oh, I agree, but the, so. Like it's like the, the worst. hardest decision right now. That's what the GMs are to get stressed out about. I'm sure. I'm not a GM, I'm but I'm sure. guessing. But at some point, you got to decide buy or sell. How long do you wait? Well, and when do you make that decision? Well, so, so again, and how does it affect your play, your well, team, when you make that? In decision? today's, because remember last, remember when they got rid of Stasny, and somebody said, one of the Blues said, or or Shen said it. One of them said, yeah, Shen said it. Yeah. He said. We're, we're trading a guy like that at the deadline. You know, like, you got to be careful of that kind of stuff. Well, they actually didn't play bad after they traded No, him. I understand. But, I, but you, that's that the interesting the message, thing. You know? But my point is, okay, in this world that we live in today, really for all sports, 
there's probably nothing worse for your franchise in, in their development and growth than to finish just out of the playoffs. Because you didn't get in. You're not going to get a high draft pick. Right? Right. You're that team that didn't make the playoffs, so how attractive are you to free agents? Right? I I can't think of anything worse than than barely missing out on the playoffs in any sport. I, um. Yeah, that's... I, seriously, I can't. I mean, I guess you could make an argument well, if, a team okay, is, but, oh, if a team is is if, really young and uber talented. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, I, if you I just miss it, I mean, but I don't you think got a lot I don't think the, that's what we're dealing with. No, here. and you got a lot of pieces to the puzzle. You know what I mean? Yep. I think you're. Yeah, if you got a lot of pieces to the puzzle and you think you got a good squad and they just came up a little short because they were young or whatever and there just needs to be a tweak here and there. But if you're in a situation like the St. Louis Blues where you could mass overhaul this team, or Try to get something. You can't mass overhaul this. I mean, haven't we discussed this at length? You cannot mass overhaul this team unless somebody's willing to write some checks. Well, you know what I mean by mass overhaul. Go get some young guys and stuff. Hey, listen, a mass overhaul to me isn't trading the better players because you can't trade the worst players. That's not a mass overhaul to me. (laughs) I understand the concept of it because, you, you know, you can't squeeze blood from a turnip and you can't fit a brown peg in a square hole. Unless the round peg's really small. That being said, um, I I just it is what it is. I, I can't I can't handle it from that perspective of hey it's you know we're gonna we're gonna uh, you know we're gonna trade these guys because they are tradable but we're gonna keep the shit and and but and that's why fans freak out like when they oh well, we're gonna trade Tarasenko or we're gonna trade Petrangelo don't trade them trade trade Steen trade trade Bo Meester. well nobody wants them. Although Bowmeister, somebody might want him now. You know. Yeah, he's actually playing pretty Oh well. no, we see we said the magic word and that's when the music starts. That's when we know he's coming. Well, hello, Mr. Rivers. How are you today? Oh, just peachy, Jim. Just peachy. Thank well, you. Well, I've got uh, fresh off his Hundredth uh, career win. I have Coach Henson uh, in studio with us as well. Hundredth career McKendry. Oh, hundredth career McKendry. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I didn't Congrats, know. I didn't know you had so McKendry. many wins other places. I'm sorry. Shut up. Thanks, yeah, Ribs. Thanks, right? man. Holy Thanks. Holy, what a day! I like it. Thank you. Um, but uh, we, you know, in in true fashion, we start bringing up the word trades, and you know, all of a sudden we hear your your intro music play. And it's like you have this sense of knowing when the ignorance starts so you're going to call in um (laughs) we you know we were just talking i asked gary this question so i'll ask you this question this is kind of how we veered into this topic and it's it's pretty simple if you had a thousand dollars to your name and you were forced to bet it would you bet it on the blues making the playoffs or not making it oh my god wow yeah these these are always great i love these kind of questions um geez i answered instantly yeah, Gary like didn't hesitate and subconsciously <laughs> answered. So we know like where he to, stands. Uh, I like to live in the in the moment, of the, <laughs> like, the intensity of it. I like to let it fester. Um, I would say, you know what? I'm a gambling guy. I'd say, yeah, let's put a thousand bucks on the Blues to make the playoffs. See, that's your heart talking, but that's okay. I, I no, there was no math in that decision, I'm telling you. No, there's no math. Is there <laughs> math ever? I was Come told on. there'd be no math, so <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't be here. 
didn't say it was a math question. You told me it was a bet. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, Gary is an analytical dude. Count, you know, likes to, likes to you know play poker and and plays odds and things like that. So I understand probably why subconsciously his immediate answer was no, because <laughs> right now they currently are not in. Um, so it makes sense. But that being said, I I was saying that I think the only instance you could say that I'm wrong in this is in today's sports world. I can't think of a worse position to be in than barely out of the playoffs at the end of the year because you didn't make the playoffs. You're obviously not good enough to, to, to make the playoffs. You didn't get them revenue, and you're not in that good draft pick range. So yeah. I don't know if barely missing the playoffs is like that, like the old days, like, man, we're right there. Like, I don't know if we are right there. Like, if you had a really young team and you – and, and, and you, you could see your team getting better as it went on and you, you made a run and barely missed the playoffs, I might be able to live with that. But I don't know, like, if I could live with a team like this that we've we've all decided, I don't know about Doug Armstrong, but we've decided needs a major turnover. If that team barely makes the playoffs, I don't know how that benefits us. Yeah, it's a tough call, right? And here's the thing is, like, we're going to be approaching – you know, the handful of games after the break here. And to me, those are going to be pivotal games. If they go in and, you know, there's not the result they want, um, then, yeah, you know, Doug Armstrong has to look at moving pieces for the future. He has to. It's not that he has to tank in order to not make the playoffs, but if you fall back to five or seven points out in the first handful of games coming out of the break, like the writing's on the wall in my opinion. And at that point, you have to cut bait on a few things. You've got to look to make moves for the future. Um, now, the flip side of that, if they come out and they do well and they find themselves one point out of the playoffs or even you know tied in a wild card spot, then I think his strategy has to change just a little bit in the fact that I still think there should be some movement involved there where I think they can look to get better or shed maybe some of the, the, the salary or some of the players that are not wanted. Uh, but they'll be, and I say this a thousand times, they'll be in more of a position of power because they will be coming off of playing pretty well rather than being at the bottom of the barrel and you're trying to unload guys. It's always more difficult that way. So you know, either way, I think we're making moves. Uh, I think to me the first five games out of the break will dictate what kind of moves we're making. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the schedule, I mean, obviously D-Day is February 25th. Um, you know, we're going to get Columbus, who I, I'm not sure what you get when you play them. Um, but you're going to get a home-and-home home with Nashville on the 9th and 10th after being at Tampa on the 7th. Um, that's about a five-day stretch right there where I think you're going to learn a lot about your hockey club. Then you kind of get back, you know, then you play, go to New Jersey, but or you're at home against New Jersey, but then you go to Arizona, Colorado, and Minnesota. You you take that little four-day stretch, you take the one where you home and home with Nashville after playing at Tampa on the 7th. I think you're going to have a pretty good idea where you sit, my guess is, after that Minis- that game at Minnesota on the 17th. I think you're going to know. I, I, don't, I mean, it's just me. I I guess you could go 500 up until that point again, and if other teams don't play well either, maybe you're sitting in the same spot. But, I mean, that, that's that's a tough stretch of hockey right there, I think. Yeah, I listen, I don't think you can go 500. <laughs> the only way this works for the Blues is if 
because of the opponents that you've mentioned in that stretch is if they win, you know, if they come out of there, you know, 750 on, on the winning percentage rather than 500, then that means they're going to be gaining ground on the teams ahead of them. If they right. come out 500 or worse then quite honestly, the gap is just getting bigger. And, you know, that's why I said, I think that that stretch of games after the break will dictate, you know, what the strategy will be moving towards the trade deadline. Are we looking to tweak and add in order to continue to make our playoff run? Or are we looking to subtract and build for the future? Well, I, I don't know. I, I know that you've, you know, you've broke this thing down, you know, every which way but lose. Um, I get the fan, like we were just talking about before you came on. You know, it's hard to sit here and go, I, I, I'm just not quite sure how moving your better players just because they're tradable is ever a good thing when the guys that ultimately at the end of the day are the ones that haven't come through are the guys that stick around because you can't trade them. I, I don't know that there's any way out of this without at some juncture. I think I think the Blues are going to have to get real creative. I think there's no way to look at this as being a positive for the Blues unless somebody over there is willing to write somebody a check. I think if you can make a move, if you can find a way to rid yourself of at least one player that you don't see in your future, and if you can write a check for another, and then if you have to trade one good player to bring back younger players and change your time frame, I think that that's I think that's a positive. But, man, the more I think about this, the more that trading away your better players just because you can, I, you know, we're back into, at minimum, a three-year, four-year deal again. I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like, man, it's getting harder and harder to live with these three- and four-year projects. Well, I think the one way to look at it is that, you know, and I think we've all agreed at one point or another that if you look at our roster, we've, we've said it before. We look at the roster and individually like, you know what? I like this player. I like this player. I like this player. And for whatever reason, it didn't work with all of them together for a long stretch or for most of the season. Now, what's attractive about what the Blues have is if they continue to do well here. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, shoot the, shoot the stars out. I'm saying just do well. Then a lot of those older veteran guys, and we know how this works, they become attractive to playoff-bound teams. And those teams look to add veteran guys for depth for leadership for you know all the intangibles that go along with um putting a team through the long rigors of the playoffs so i think individually you can isolate certain players and as it goes along here they do become more attractive to playoffs down teams but i do believe and i'm going to stick with it that we have to stay consistent in at least playing well uh, at least at a 500-plus level in order to keep people interested in what you're selling. Um, one player that continues to play well and uh, I thought showed himself very deserving of the all-star nod and representing the Blue Note over the weekend was Ryan O'Reilly. That trade continues to pay off for the Blues. Uh, as we got off on that a little bit earlier, that tangent, um, Gary brought up an interesting thought because you know we looked at what we traded um, Gary asked an interesting question, and I'm going to let him phrase it to you and get your thoughts on it. Hey, Riv. So, um, in regard to Berglund, now it does obviously it doesn't happen all the time, and it's sort of an outlier situation. But I wonder at what point do teams start looking at the health of the player more than just the physical side because of Patrick Berglund? And I say this because. 
I don't think Patrick Berglund, in what I know of mental health issues, isn't great. But what else? I should know because I'm mental, but whatever. So Patrick Berglund's probably been struggling with this for years. And so do teams now start to look at that, those kind of things more and, and more, a better vetting process? Because, I mean, look at what happened. We traded him to Buffalo, and then he has these issues. We traded Laterra to Philly, and then there's a whole other issue there. So I wonder if the NHL teams are going to start vetting players more uh, intently, I guess, in the, in the trading process. Well, yeah, um, I think I think they're trying to do that. The problem is that some of these things are, you know, they're just not visible, and you can't just be intrusive into someone's life yeah. if they're having struggles. And so, let's be honest, some of these guys don't know they're having these struggles until it's too late. And you know, the hockey player mentality is we play through everything, and so you know, and it's not cool per se to you know, be depressed. And, you know, obviously we know these days that depression comes in many forms, but you just hear that in, you know, hockey players like, well, I'm not depressed, you know, or I'm not having problems, but we don't know at the root of it all exactly what's going on. And, and so, yeah, it's going to be difficult. You know, the, the NHL can't necessarily put in a program that is based upon, you know, trade going through for mental health. Like how can you really tell? Uh, or how do you know until you know type right. thing. Um, I do think that there could be something implemented in the future, which I, I think it's there, but it's not mandatory right now, right. is is drug testing. You know, yeah. and I know we talked about Latera, and, you know, obviously he, he at this point claims and to has been found to where he has no connection to what's been going on at his, at his summer house there. Right. Um, but... You know, a, a, a team would probably like to know if uh, player X is, you know, hitting the bong too much or if he's doing a couple of extracurriculars, he's popping pills or, you know, doing things like that. I think they'd probably like to know before they trade for that guy. I'd be willing to argue, too, and this is a way deeper conversation that we don't need to get into, but I just would be – I think it's fair to mention. I don't, Again, I don't think moving to Buffalo – set is where the where it started for Patrick Bergman and and unfortunately no. we have hindsight here and so you and I and Kimby and you know Cromer and the Twitter world and everybody in Blues Nation has often talked about whether the like or dislike of his play and the intent or the non-intent of his play and how he disappeared for two or three weeks or a month at a time and then showed up and had a few great games and then you know it was a, you know deep, a really good player in the playoffs a few times but, you know, now looking back, I would be willing to bet that that's maybe an issue for, for Patrick this whole time. And unfortunately, there was no, there's no way to recognize it, but it kind of lets – and for me personally, you know, I'm kind of off his back now and wondering, holy crap, this young man was dealing with something that no one else really knew about. And unfortunately, no one was able to pick up on it. Well, it's hard, right? It's, it's yeah, it's it, super it's difficult. It's not like a, it's not like a, a, a laceration where you need stitches. It's not like a broken arm where you you know need pins or a cast or yeah. something like that. Yeah. It, it's it's tough, and yeah, you know what? There's probably 
a lot of players, not just in the NHL and sports in general, and that's a whole other show that I'm sure we could dive into, but that go through these periods of time where they're having struggles and, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the world these days. Uh, you know, the social media uh, creates a bigger magnifying glass than there's ever been on pro sports. And it's probably very difficult. And there's probably peaks and valleys in Patrick Berglund's play that now would probably directly be correlated to uh, maybe some mental health problems he was having. Yeah, and I it's think unfortunate. He... Yeah, it's very unfortunate, but let's hope that um, powers that be, I guess, maybe, to, not to be intrusive, like you said, in the players' lives, because there is a fine line there, but I don't know. Maybe Patrick Berglund opens a door and opens a door for, you know, for future growth in this area, and that the NHL is able to, you know, somehow recognize these kind of things and, and help guys along, because... Like I said, I th I don't think it was Buffalo when it showed up. I think he's been probably dealing with it for a while now that you look back at it. Yeah, and I, I think, unfortunately, like there's it's a slippery slope, right? Yeah. Because uh, as I put my business hat on here, uh, you'd have to think that in the CBA negotiations, it's very difficult because – now you wouldn't want teams to have independent evaluators on these players and then trying to default out of a contract because they say said player is, you know, having mental problems or mental health issues and that disqualifies him from his contract or this or that and the other. I mean, it's going to get real ugly in a hurry. I just hope that the players get help, that the league helps out. Let's try not to make it part of the contract. Let's try not to make it part of the trade calls when they do that. Uh, you know, if a player is suffering from these things, let's hope the, the NHLPA and the NHL itself recognize that uh, and help the player first and foremost because otherwise, man, it could get spiraling out of control. Right. Um, as, you know, that's a – you know, as you guys are saying, hopefully this is something that just continues to improve for players. It's always going to be there, but you're always looking for ways to help, uh, hopefully, people around the league and, and do the right thing. So, you know, maybe this does open up some eyes, and I, we would be silly not to think that there aren't other players dealing with us. We don't even know about it, but hopefully the right people know about it and they're getting help and, and we're moving in that, that positive direction. As you, as you look at that trade, though, besides – uh, besides Berglund, there were other factors that, that were involved in why Buffalo would want to move a player of that caliber. So you get a player of that caliber in Ryan O'Reilly. He finds himself in the All-Star game. You had tweeted out that, you know, that a lot of people that you were seeing things where they, they didn't like this format, but you actually enjoyed it because it allowed players to showcase skills and things like that. There were some pretty cool things that happened over the weekend. I want to first get your take on a couple of the hot topics. Uh, the two ladies that performed in the skills competitions, I thought, was a phenomenal ad. I think it's great to highlight um, what I think is, I would assume, is a growing sport. Uh, I, and I, only, I have no analytical data to back that up other than I see more and more stuff on social media about it, and now here we find two great women's players participating in the NHL uh, All-Star stuff. What were your thoughts on that? Well, I thought it was incredible. Honestly, I really did. You know, have, um, one, having two daughters myself, is that's you know that opens up the doors to appreciate it quite a bit but then having worked with a lot of female hockey players out of the st louis area and some some pretty high-end talent 
over the last couple of years and, and you know specifically a girl named Jincy Dunn and another girl named McKenna Webster that uh, probably both future Olympians for Team USA to watch these girls do their thing I mean I've really grown to appreciate how great girl hockey players are and now to see them on that the ultimate stage it was pretty neat and to you know to take it one step further you know there were four girls there they had two from USA two from Canada I think that they should have put one player on each team. That would have been awesome. In, you know, like, yeah. and, and you know what, the future might hold that because I think that this was probably, you know, they're testing the waters to see you know, what it looks like, how it gets accepted, how they perform. And I think that the way they performed, uh, I, I think what happened there is it opened a lot of eyes and the way the format is where it's all skill based stuff. There's no hitting. There's no, you know, any of that, that, I think it would be fun to add, you know, four Olympians, maybe two from Canada, two from the United States, and mix them into each team and make them a part of it. Yeah, that'd um, be cool. I, they got to do something. I, well, I, I, do you think this is uh, – I, I mean, obviously I'm asking you to put on your <clears throat> speculation hat, but is this – as you said, I think things went well. I could see that being added in the future because I think it was received so well. Um you think maybe this is the first step towards a WNBA situation for the NHL where they have a spinoff league that is professional women's hockey? Is it? I well, mean, they do have that already. And actually, it's, it's kind of a problem. Um, and for people who don't know, there's the C, uh, CWHL, which is a Canadian women's hockey league. And that's a pro league that's based out of Canada. And then there's the NWHL, which I believe is a – National Women's Hockey League, and that's based out of the States. But are either of them affiliated with the NHL? No, they're not affiliated with the NHL, and they're not affiliated with each other. And so that's the problem, right, is you're running into um, a situation where, you know, maybe the NFL and the AFL back in the day, you know, like that kind of thing where two leagues are operating at the same time, but they're not working together, yet their pool of players for women pro hockey players is smaller so it creates animosity, right? And right. I think there's some some people, the powers that be in those leagues that are trying to merge them together to have one women's hockey league. And then maybe at that point they can try to affiliate themselves in some way with the NHL. And as much as I'm on board for all these things, I, you know, I think that, one, it's very difficult to imagine – a female hockey player playing in the NHL that is not a goalie. And that's just, I'm not stepping out of bounds here. It's just hard to imagine that somebody could withstand the rigors of that 82 game schedule with, you know, the physical contact that's there. I, I, I just, I don't see it in the, in the near future, who knows, you know, 10, 20 years down the road. Um, But it doesn't mean we can't have a league that has high-end players, that females that compete at a high level, that can stay in training for the Olympics. Because once these girls are out of college, they don't get those practices or those games unless they're playing in one of those female leagues, which apparently is somewhat watered down because they're dividing all the talent into two different leagues. So, you know, I, I wish they'd get all together under one umbrella and then in some shape or form, get affiliated under the NHL umbrella and kind of see where it goes from there. 
Um, yeah, I, I again, I like the format. I figure if you're not going to play a game that's going to involve true hockey, then why play it? I, that's how I – so give the players an opportunity to showcase their skills. And I thought I thought we saw that. Yeah. You know, like, I like it because these guys are getting a skate. You can do all these things. Like in the old format of five-on-five, five, you always felt kind of bad if – you're the one guy out there trying really hard. <laughs> and it just, you know, like, it just looked out of place. And the D-men, you know, they weren't allowed to play real defense. And the only guys that really suffered in this whole thing were the goalies. They got abused like crazy. Uh, I like the current for- format because three-on-three, three, the goalies were having fun. It gives them a chance to make a big save every three or four shots. And everybody knows that probably going to be a lot of scoring chances and then it allows these players to compete in for their division too so you know you have a little something on the line where you know guys aren't exactly blocking shots but i did see some back checking <laughs> i did you know i did see some defensive play i saw guys who worked real hard on the offensive side of it i you know i was glued to my tv watching it i thought it was really fun to watch uh, unlike the NFL Pro Bowl, which is an absolute oh embarrassment. I mean, but you it, know what? I don't understand that still. And and I'm not a football guy. But how do you play a football game for fun? Like, linemen still have to smash into each other. Uh, no, they don't. To... No, they don't, obviously. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's the thing, right? And then yeah. how do the QBs, how do they even have an offensive play scheme? Like, is it just like old school, like playground? Like, just go out there and run I've... a pattern and hopefully I find you? I I think the NFL should go right to what the NHL's done, and they should play no pads, flag football, best players, seven. Just do it. I I don't seven understand on seven. something. I and just you know run routes and let let these guys show their speed and their agility. And I I just it, it I don't know. I, well, I I said the same thing not too long ago. I said make every player so the same number of guys on the field, but you play flag football and every offensive lineman is eligible to be a receiver and obviously they're not blocking right right so they're running patterns and they got to run a pattern against the defensive end or whatever like it'd be hilarious to watch some massive offensive lineman trying to run a down out pattern being covered by a defensive end like i think that would be funny and then when they make a catch you know people could celebrate and have fun with it yeah until you're bill belichick and your offensive tackle is out on a pass pattern and tears his ACL cutting uh, cutting back for a pass yeah <laughs> and that's I mean, what it's all about I mean really at the end of the day that's what this is all about whether it's the NHL whether it's a major league baseball whether it's uh the NFL baseball let's be honest baseball has it the easiest they do because of the they physicality of it. right except what they do every day right and you know they can you know they cannot you know, they can go in there and just hunt fastballs, and pitchers cannot want to overthrow. Like they're not going to th- overthrow. I mean, it is what it is, right? It's not a physical sport that way. No, don't no. defend it, Gary. All right, Jim. No, I'm not. I, what I'm saying is, is you're right, but it's the same <laughs> thing. Like if a, I mean, well, I mean, one of the most famous things ever happened in an All Star game of the major leagues, though, when when Pete Rose took out Ray Fossey to win an All Star game, and come on, you know how I feel about that. Ruined his career. It's over. 
Pete Rose, that's why he should be in the Hall of Fame. Everybody <laughs> should look at that closely. The bat was in the way. He stumbled on his feet and realized he had right. nowhere to we'll go. We'll talk about that later. It's a tired show. of that crap. So, <laughs> that being said. That's a bullshit. Thing. So, that being said, um, I liked the format. I'm with you on it, and I, I hope they continue it. I 100% agree with you, too. I think the addition of the, the, the female hockey players and, and making them more a part of it. I think it does nothing but increase the fan base for the NHL. I think it grows the women's sport, which you, you, you work with some fabulous young ladies all the time, helping them improve their game and try to grow. So good for everybody. I think it's great. Yeah, I can tell you this for a fact that girls being introduced into the sport of hockey at the lower levels has been one of the biggest reasons for the growth of hockey. The females from 10 years ago to now, the enrollment every year just under USA Hockey numbers alone, the girl hockey players have been the biggest increase to people that are actually playing the sport of hockey. So they're not, you know, they're not obviously just to be respected. They're very, very relevant to say the least in the growth of our sport. I think you can, um, and I know you don't have a ton of time, but I want to finish this conversation. I got some more time. Jim. Okay, I got some more time. Well, I'm okay. going to agree with that. I mean, I got a pocket just for you, Jim. Well, Anything I can do the, uh, because I think this is a, a, a like a really interesting topic right now, and I think you are very qualified to answer some of these questions by more than oh, just speculation. Oh, well, oh, you've worked with some. <laughs> well, you know and have worked with some of the top women hockey players. So I, I, I can't believe for one minute that you have not had a realistic conversation with them about their true thoughts about their physical capabilities versus that of an NHL player. I think we did see some fans get upset that they were referred to as girls. And, you know, here we go again. You know, everybody was laughing because a girl beat him. You know, why can't she just be a, a player? And I don't know that I agree why with that. Why don't we celebrate that? Well, that's what I'm – and that's kind of where I'm at on it. And I don't know – I would – I, maybe, maybe not. I guess you don't really know people as all the time as well as you think you do. I would think most women would be that way. They'd be like, look, you're darn right. I am a girl, and nobody gives me a chance, and I am excited and proud of what I can do. But Totally. But do they um, do they have a, a – like, have they given you an honest opinion or an honest thought of if they really feel they – like, do they think they could play in the NHL, or are they aware of the physical nature and maybe it's not in their – Am I saying this right? They're, they're bodies yeah. to play in that environment. No, no, I get what you're saying. Um, and here's the deal, okay? Uh, I can only reference the, the girls that I've talked to about it. And here is usually the pattern that goes through a, a girl hockey player throughout her career from first time she puts on skates until the last time she takes them off. And yes, to answer your question first, yes, they realize that playing in the NHL – is just not an option. Okay, playing in the American League is just not an option. And here's where I go deeper into this: is most girls will play uh, AAA hockey when they're young. Uh, not most. The girls who are elite players will play AAA hockey mixed in with the boys team. Some girls play girls AAA hockey and boys AAA hockey at the same time, simultaneously, so that they can stay within their peer group with the girls because most boys teams aren't carrying two, three, four, five, six girls on their team, they probably have that one that's really an all-star. And so what happens is they get to the fork in the road at the U15, U16 level um, for obvious reasons. Uh, everybody starts changing physically, right? And so the boys become bigger, faster, stronger. The brute strength 
just takes over. And Jinsi Dunn, who is one of the best, if not the best, female player to ever come out of St. Louis. She's currently the captain at Ohio State University. She's defensive player of the year. She's, I mean, you name it, this girl has done it. And probably soon to be an Olympian in the future next Olympics. So I use her as an example. She was so damn good that she played boys AAA hockey all the way up. Now, she didn't just play on any team. She played on the same team as Matthew Kachuk, uh, Luke Conan, the Clayton Kellers, the Logan Browns, all those guys who got drafted in the first round. Jinsey Dunn played on that hockey team. That's how good she was. Okay? So let, like, let's wrap our brains around that for a second. Till what age did she play on that team? But That's where I'm getting right. So she played U16 AAA. Wow. She put her foot in the water and suffered a couple of concussions. And that's where it has to end. It just, it is what it is. And obviously I speak from experience in dealing with someone like that, who skill-based could play at any level, probably could play in the NHL right now, skill-based. But now when you add in the physical strength, the size and all that stuff, it just, it is what it is. God has made us all a certain way. And in general, men are made bigger and stronger. And I don't mean that in a negative way. So anybody who's listening, please understand where I'm coming from with this. Yeah. And so she, to me, is one of the best players that I've ever seen. Not girl or boy. One of the best I've ever seen, period, dot. But because she was a girl, when she got to the U16 level, the concussions and the hitting – it just was too much. And why subject yourself to that when there's really nowhere to go with that right now, right? Like you're not really going to play in the NHL. So why not get away from that, focus on girls hockey and go to college and do what she's doing, which is tearing the world apart on the, you know, the female side, NCAA hockey. Yeah. I, I, I'm amazed by the skill level. I think it's un- unbelievably off the charts. I mean, when, when, uh, and I hope I don't butcher it. Like Kendall Coyne is at Schofield. Yeah. Um, I mean, that girl can fly. I, that it, was incredible. I mean, it, honestly, I, that was incredible. I watched her rip around the net, and I, my boy, my one boy was sitting there with me, and I went, "She's flying." Yeah. And sure as shit, she was flying. I, you know how I don't think so. Speaking of that flying, yeah. Jamie can speak to this. I don't think people realize how hard it is. To go that fast and turn and continue keeping your legs moving. That's one of the hardest things for hockey players of all levels. I don't care what level it is. That's one of the hardest things to do is to go into a turn and continue to keep your feet moving because a lot of a lot of us or people who skate, they want to turn and like cut into that turn and yeah, glide yeah, through yeah. it and then explode well, out of it with a couple like cro- real quick crossover drives. Well, but she she continued. She started with her feet moving and came all the way. That is so freaking hard. I mean, well, it is so if hard. I'm, uh, if I'm going to get technical for a second, which I will just because that's Good. what my job entails nowadays with skill development, is the hardest thing to teach players of all levels, including NHL players that I work with, is that you have to trust your edges, your inside edges and your outside edges on your skates. 
Um, and by saying that, what that means is it's just a proven fact that you can gain speed and develop more speed using crossovers. And I know it sounds crazy, but you watch Connor McDavid. He'll be in mid-flight straight up the ice, and he'll throw in quick crossovers. For whatever reason, and if you watch, if you have the privilege of watching the all-star competition again, watch the miles per hour gauge as they go <laughs> around the net. The miles per hour gauge goes up. Up, yeah. So they're doing 18, 19, maybe 20 down the stretches, but then they're up to 22 and 23 around the corners. That's not by accident. That's digging. That's that's digging in, and that's using your edges. And that, like Gary said, you're keeping your legs moving, and most of the time, to get really technical, your, eggs, your legs are in a loaded position, which means they're bent more than they are on a straightaway, so therefore you're pushing more with your leg, generating more power, giving you more speed. And that so, takes yes. an incredible amount of strength. Well, incredible amount of strength and I'm it's serious. A skill. Yeah. It's a fucking skill. That's right. what people pay Man. lots of money for now to get taught how to use their edges properly and to gain that extra mile per hour right. on a turn. Like well, anybody can slow down and do some crossovers, but when you gain speed doing the crossovers in a turn like that, Holy crud well, is that impressive. And what's amazing, what I have always found amazing, and now I, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts because you are in that training world. And, and I know times have changed, and now things have become much more specialized, and you have people that do things. And so the more you have it, the more people you have that teach it. But I remember when we were younger, and even when Logan played, and um, you know, just 10 years ago, like, if, if your kid was a little slow and somebody would say, you know, he needs to take some power skating lessons, when you could – if you knew somebody or looked it up, a lot of the people that taught it were women. Yes. I mean, I, I don't like what like was I never asked the question, but was there some reasoning for that? Like, did it have something to do with the quote unquote the way figure skaters would use their edges and would power into their, their turns and throws? I don't know. I, I've never yeah. asked the yeah. question. Well, yes. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. wrong. Yes. You're, you're, That's exactly you're, right. Like, you're right. And the reason is this, okay, is at the time, any guy who played hockey, uh, most of them were not educated or educating themselves on edge work. And they were simply going after raw power and speed. And they had some great techniques to help players. And there's a lot of knowledgeable guys. But until you've really focused on slowing down your stride and using your edges properly, which figure skaters do they have to the way they cut the ice the way they move they're all about edge work there's no raw speed involved in figure skating and so those figure skaters teaching hockey players how to use their edges that was the advantage they had on helping guys get better so now fast forward into where we are today people knowing how much edge work uh, is important and having former players or current players that are teaching it being able to mix that raw power and how to generate more power off your regular stride mixing in great edge work and slowing it down and really learning how to use your edges now that adds that makes a connor mcdavid that makes a matthew barzell that makes a jack eichel that's that's how we get to where we're at today well you know what it's on the topic, but just in a just a like 
an aside to that. I don't think people, and I don't know if they still do because they, they don't really talk about it much, and they really never did. But in figure skating competitions, before like like in the Olympics, before the two programs, the short and long program that people watched with the music and all of the pageantry and all that, before that, the skaters had to go out and do edge work and be judged on it. And it was very slow. Like you, you had to show a transition from the front to the back. They still have it. Yeah. So, yeah. So they, they and still pe- have it. Okay. Where I think they call it the mandatory requirements and they have to yeah. do like a perfect figure eight. Perfect. They transfer from one skate to the next. And you have and, to, right. You have to stay. Yeah. And so they get out, like the judges are on the ice. It's fresh ice. The judges are on the ice and they literally are measuring. With the you know the distance between your two edges when you create these perfect eights and they yep. get magnifying glasses out and look at the transition from the edge to the edge. That's how how much in depth that that the figure skating community goes into edge work, and because of that, it filtered into hockey eventually, and now it's huge in hockey as well. Yep, you're right, and you know uh, I do it very specifically with the pro hockey players when I work with them or college kids that are uh, at a high level or looking to be drafted or just drafted is, you know, we'll use an iPad and there's programs that we have that, you know, overlay player upon player and you learn where the skating stride is effective, where it's ineffective, where you're generating most of your power. I mean, it's all so technical to sound, right? And some people like, well, just go play hockey. I get it. You're right. At the, at the end of the day, you're right. You still have to put the puck in the other team's net. But if player X, I always say this, I go, if, the, if player X is doing this on the other side of Siberia to get better every day, right. well, shame on you if you're not trying over here. Well, right. You know? And just and just in you get better. So, like, a little, this is something similar, kind of. But we, we were having trouble – we were seeing a lot of our guys uh, curling instead of like hitting their edges with a hard stop and reloading and going back the other way on their edges, which on their drive edges on the start. You know what I'm talking about, Jamie. So, um, so I actually last week in practice because I had gotten sick of it. I had one of them start at a cone, skate to a cone about 20 feet away, hard stop, drive on his edges, and come back to me, and I timed it. Okay. Then I put two cones out from about 20 feet where he stopped previously, uh, or the same area he stopped previously, and we started again, and I had him curl, you know, cut around those cones and come back to me, and it was a five or .5 second difference. And the difference was that, that not only was he cutting the distance down, but he was also using his edges, and he was able to gain speed faster by actually – hitting a hard stop and driving out of that stop like that's those are the kind of things that like everybody's doing now and if you're not <laughs> doing you know if you're not it's doing turning st- into like nascar yeah where, you know you'd have to tilt your your frame and building a you know, bigger tire on the outside and before they put all the regulations in on nascar that's where we're at right now where everybody's trying to gain that that half a second in and out of a corner or in and out of a stop. Yeah, and just think of the totality of that over a game. If you're if you get your team in a habit of of cutting the distance of of the ice they need to take and being able to drive off their power edges and get that, 
you know, get in the ice and get that momentum going forward quicker with and be at full speed within a you know a half a stride and a half or two strides. Think about how that affects the totality of the game when you consider that young man might have played you know seventeen minutes that game. Are these, Damn, Gary. Are these? Jesus, somebody wake up, Cromer. He fell asleep in this whole thing. Well, no, yeah. my 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 concern, or not a concern. My question on the whole thing is, as a GM anymore, is 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 looking at a player on a game by game basis and that type of whether I mean you can analyze it by speed, obviously, but the effort level and the way that they do things is that quantified to effort level, and does that play into the role that? GMs buy into players and, and buy out of players? Well, I think they're starting to see it, right? And this All-Star game, as we double back to that, was a great indication of where, you know, the game of hockey is headed when they have these computer chips in the puck, in the player, not in the player, but on his gear, on the player. And we watched it, you know, identify any player on the ice at any given time. And then we watched it identify their miles per hour, their speed, uh, their shift length, all this stuff. And now that data is going to be able to provide each club with, you know, how long the player's on the ice, what his average speed is. Then if we shorten his shifts, what's his average speed? Can he keep, can we gain, you know, half a mile per hour on his average speed if he plays 17 and a half minutes instead of 19 minutes in a game? And, you know, then can you find player X or player Y that can keep that average speed, but they actually can play 19, 20 minutes a game? Like, it's going to get ridiculous into what it gets dissected in the future. Oh, easily. It's already getting ridiculous on stride length. Well, and oh, like yeah. If the people are looking at stride length, like, okay, and one of our buddies will know, thoroughbreds. When you're watching a thoroughbred and you're considering purchasing a thoroughbred, you look at the stride length of that and, and how quickly they get back well, to, to the power position. They're doing that in hockey now. And what, well, what it always brings me back to, and this is why I think as Blues fans get passionate about players and when you watch a player like that you, that you feel is underperforming, okay? One of the things I had heard years ago um, – and it, it coincided with, uh, boy, I hope I get the name right. What was the, the special uh, they did, NHL 24-7? What they call that when they were following? Yeah. Is that what it was yeah, called? They, yeah. uh, it was called NHL 24-7. So I, I'll never forget this. Right about that time, um, some of the local guys, it may have even been you, Jamie, before obviously we were doing the show, were talking about how the days of uh, videotaping a game and then watching it back and, and not or were over, now they would isolate on every player. And you could actually go back and watch shift by shift every player. And I remember when the Pittsburgh Penguins were on there, uh, it was Matt Cook. I'll never forget. They called him Cookie. And everybody knew who he was. He was a controversial player that had some issues. But I remember him going into a meeting with the coach and the GM, and they basically went shift by shift and pointed oh, yeah. out the things that he did wrong. And basically, you know, this is a guy that was an integral part of them winning a Stanley Cup. And they basically looked at him and said, Cookie, you got to be better than us. Like, this isn't – like, I mean, this isn't the effort. You know, I just – I remember it like it was yesterday. And well, each player now has a file, right? A digital file, and in that digital file is all of their shifts. And in those, in that file with all their shifts is defensive zone, neutral zone, offensive zone, goal scoring for goal scoring chances against. They have everything that's literally put in there for every player. And you can walk into the video guy at any point and say, "Hey, can you send me my shifts from last night in the defensive zone?" And the player takes the iPad and goes and sits down, and the video guy sends him that block 
of information and he watches it on his own. So yes, those tools are there. So the player can look at it individually. The player can watch it with the video guy. The player can watch it with the coaching staff, or if he's playing shitty, then yes, the coach can use that information against him, showing him just, you know, what he's doing wrong. And every player is isolated. Well, and that's where I was kind of taking it all the way with blues fans. You know, we, I, I know that like, sometimes I know I do. I feel like there is no way that somebody's not looking at him on a shift by shift basis the last couple games and not calling him in and going, "What's going on?" I mean, where y- your feet aren't moving at all. You're you're completely out of position. You're and so I've always maintained this. I can almost promise you, if they're not playing well, they know it. I mean, it, there, there is no like, "Oh, I thought I was playing well, coach." There's no, no way no, that's no. going on. Those days are gone. Those are those days are gone now. Just like when before we had video of every game, which believe it or not, uh, wasn't all that long ago because the first handful of years I was playing in the league, we didn't have video. Uh, we'd have like, if it was a TV game, you'd have it, but now every game's on TV, but you used to be able to say, Oh no, no, I had my guy. And that's always the running joke with older players is no, no, no. I had my guy acting like anybody could say they had their guy. Cause <laughs> there's no way to, re- you know, no way to prove it. Right. And you know, then along with, video being uh, introduced then all of a sudden the i had my guy went out the window because <laughs> you can tell right away whether you had your guy or not and now like i said we've gotten to the point where it's so detailed into what they can do that now the coaching strategy has changed and gary i'm sure you can identify with this too is no longer is it do i have the do i know if this player is playing good or bad Everybody knows, including the player. <laughs> now it's more, when do I address it with this player? How do I address it? And what manner do I want to address it, right? Like, do I want to be like, hey, we got to get better. Here's this. Or do I want to be like, you suck. And here's the fucking reason why you suck. I'm tired of you dragging your lower lip around and looking like you just swallowed a pack of fucking Sour Patch Kids. This is why you suck. You know, like, it all depends on how you want to approach it. Well, well, all right. Yeah, it does depend on how you want to approach it. I will tell you, um, and this is somewhat unfortunate, I try to uh, talk to players as if I'm being recorded video for for, uh, it being to be posted on social media in a lot of cases. Now, don't get me wrong. I have blown up on a guy you know one-on-one but in in our environment it's it's tough we have to make sure that um we keep a level of i don't even know if it's called professionalism but a level of behavior that would be uh (laughs) wouldn't be scrutinized so poorly but you're working with a student athlete right but that's because no let's just be honest here that's because the game has changed and society has changed so much that heaven forbid we bruise somebody's ego a hundred percent accurate that's that's (laughs) never mind never mind hockey that's i mean you go to mcdonald's you got the drive-thru guy who fucks up your order and you can't even fucking write him up anymore because maybe he had a rough day and he's feeling stressed before you got on we were talking about when my dad coached us and how he used to like grab 
our face mask, like reach over in the penalty box and grab you by the face mask and just start shaking your head, yelling at you. He, he would have lasted about 15 minutes in today's world. Well, he'd be in jail. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you know, but look, at, here's, the, here's the reality of it, okay, is we look back and we appreciate that kind of coach that we had back in the day. Uh, now, we realize that that wouldn't fly in today's society or the way things are looked at today. And it doesn't mean it was wrong. It just means right now in this setting, it's it doesn't different. fly. Yeah. Now, I think there's a happy medium somewhere where you don't have to fucking swaddle these guys and give them a binky when they do bad things. I think that there's <laughs> got to be there's got to be some room in here to properly coach players. Yeah, I to, agree. I you agree. know, like you can't just sit there and feed them a bullshit sandwich all the time. No, like, right. But I think one of the most effective things for me is this. When a young man comes to me or I have to go to a young man and like, I let's say I get this response. Man, you're always on my case about that. Well, <laughs> Imagine that. Well, if you want me to. So here's okay. Here's a good example. You guys, we all joke around in here and give each other stuff all the time. I'm not exactly the most fit guy in the room. I get it. But no. if I want you guys to stop calling me fat, guess what the best option for me is? Not to tell you you're hurting my feelings. Or it's for me to fat. just stop being fat. <laughs> that's the best option. So that's how I coach now. So when they come up to me and instead of like screaming and yelling at them, although there are some I can definitely do that too because they can take it and a lot of them are Canadian. But they can take it. Um but when I go up to a kid now, I say, hey, listen, if you want me to not make that decision, then you have to be better so that decision isn't an option for me. For example, there was some if I sit you the last 10 minutes of the game because it's a tie game or we're down by a goal or up by a goal and your skill set or what I need from you doesn't dictate you being on the ice but you want to be, then you have to do something different to make me have a decision to put you there. If, right, Because right now, the decision you, you've given me is to not use you. So it's yeah. on you. It's not on me. Well, and I use that same thing, Gary, and I try to even simplify it even more for these kids, is I tell them, I'm like, when I coach you, okay, it's like me giving you the answers to the test. That's <laughs> what I'm doing. I'm giving you the answers before the test comes. So now, if you choose to not use those answers, that's your fault. That's your fault. It's on you. It's not my fault. That's your fault. That makes you really dumb if you don't use the answers I'm giving you. And I swear to God, like, if my kids are listening to this, which I don't know if they do, and if they do, they should probably skip certain things we talked about. However, <laughs> however if they heard, if they heard, I've given you the answers to the test, they'd probably vomit in their own mouth because I say that so many times. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, somebody needs... Somebody needs to give a few of our players on that wear the blue note the answers to the test because... Um, we need to make these playoffs because I'm going to break the tie here as we as we're running out of time. So, uh, Gary, you you would not bet your thousand dollars on the Blues. Jamie no, will I, hold on. No, my no, dis no, my no, disclaimer no. is no. it's not heartfelt. No, it's, it doesn't come with the disclaimer. Your other it's you said no. I said no quickly. So too. so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to okay. show you how much I love the St. Louis Blues. Uh -huh. I am going to vote against them because I never want to vote. I never. Win. <laughs> 
I never went about like that. He's mush. So I'm gonna. So I'm gonna pull the Costanza. If that isn't the riding the fence, no. You just. Oh my God. I'm gonna Costanza. You told me I can't disclaimer, and you just put up the biggest no, one there. I'm gonna is. Costanza. 100. No balls. I'm gonna, no balls. I'm going Costanza. Wow. No, I'm going with the opposite of every wow. rational thought I've ever had when it comes to a bat. Well, you don't have very many rational thoughts, so that's not really a stretch. Jeez. All right, all right. Hey, uh, hey, Rivs. Uh, before you get out of here, I know we got uh, we got some time off for our Blues this week. I'm sure you're busy as all get out with things. Um, what's going on with our friends over at Synergy Hockey Skills? Our friend being you. <laughs> friend, yeah. No, there's lots of us. Trust hey, me. There's Derek Pallardy, buddy. Coaches. Yeah, Derek Pallardy, one of our Lubos. finest guys. Lubos, uh, Mike Barra, lots of guys. Sam Canfield, I'd be remiss not to say his name. But a lot of guys doing a lot of real good work. And uh, guys are busy right now, finishing up the, whatever coaching they're doing throughout the season. We have some lessons that are going on in the early mornings, if, if that works for people. Uh, we also, like we've discussed before, we've got uh, our summer camp schedule has been released. So get on SynergyHockeySkills.com. If you're still looking for some small group training, click the small group training and find something that works. If you're looking for the summer, click on summer camps. We have uh, 10 weeks, I think eight different locations. So find something that works for you. And uh, get your kid registered right now because boys and girls are going to need something to do this summer and they want to keep getting better. Well, um, I, if you listen to this episode and you learned anything, you'd realize that these kids are getting far more, far more training, far more instruction than they ever did. And that's not to say, you know, the guys back in the day that, that, that we learned from, like Jake Hennister and your dad, Gary, didn't do a great job. It's just it's amazing how it's just the, the, the stuff that you guys are doing with these the science of sports, in yeah, it's just in just awesome. in general is amazing. So we appreciate you, Rivs, and uh, we're giving the answers to the test. That's <laughs> right. Here we go. That's, I'm going to hear that eventually. I'm going to say listen, that to there's this. a joke in there too with me with something like Cromer. I've given you the answers to this test. What is wrong with you? It's 100%. coming. I can feel it. I'm reluctant to say that to a college hockey team. You should. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you got to be careful. Make sure it's taking the right context. Yeah, I know. Here we go again. We got to watch what we say. Here we go. Oh, here we go. All right, Rivs, get out of here. We'll talk to you later on in the week and uh, enjoy your your time. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Good to see you in there, Gary. All right. (laughs) Big Rivs. Big Rivs. Calling in like he does because he's busy today. Um, Listen, I, you know, he's knee deep in it, right? Like, he if it's going on, he's aware of it when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I was real curious, like, because. You know, in this world we live in today, like I again, it, it blew like right away. The things start. Why does it have to be funny? Because the girl beat. And I'm like, oh, gee, man, can't we celebrate it? I don't understand. And I'd be curious to know. I, that always blows my mind. Is I would be curious to know what those female athletes think, and that's why I wanted to talk to Rivs because I think we. I, I really believe this. Sometimes I think we care more about it than they do. Sometimes the 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 politically correct of some of these things not everything i'm talking about when it comes to sports sometimes it drives me crazy oh yeah we you know we have a women's team yeah why i i'm just not a i'm never gonna understand somebody who who's gonna criticize or feel like the women shouldn't be there this past weekend or whatever because i'm gonna tell you the women that play for McKendree university and the other women that play for other teams in the area, whether it be college, AAA, or not, just in rec teams, those young women love hockey just as much as you do. 
So why can't they experience it at the highest level that they can attain? So if that means we get to invite some of the Olympians <clears throat> or like what Jamie said with the two pro leagues, some of these women down to play in this in this exhibition game, then hell yeah. The more people that love hockey, the better. I don't understand this. I don't I wouldn't I'll never understand anything uh negative toward that at all. I just I'm not Well, I you know, again, I it can only be great for the growth of the game, so good for everybody involved. And everybody let's have some fun with it and let's relax. That's how I look at it. So uh, enjoy today. Once again, congratulations on your 100th win at McKendry. Um, Thanks, man. And, it was cool know. bringing up your dad, too, you know, thinking about him from time <laughs> to time. It, it was some great times, you know, yeah, but love I, the hell I out of I had, like, him. a flashback headache. From That's all right. Face mask. That's all right because, you know, it is what it is, man. <laughs> you um, know what? I should have followed my own advice. If you know, if I just played better, he probably would have stopped shaking my face. <laughs> there you go. He gave you the answers to the test. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining us too. I know that you know, for some out there, I'm sure this conversation got a little deep in some of the training and some of the analytical for you. But you know, heck, we got a week to kill here, folks, and you can only say so many times. Do you think they're going to make it? I mean, I you know, are they going to make any trades? I. <laughs> I don't know. I this this whole thing's got me like shit or get off the pot kind of is how I'm looking at it. I know that's probably not the most. Yeah, but man, I mean, I think today's conversation is good. I think people enjoy a different side of it once in a while. We just can't always be talking just about you know the struggles of the, or the or the I guess the accomplishments of the St. Louis Blues all the time, and especially when we have a break like this, it's cool to talk about some other stuff. Maybe people. You know, heard Jamie say some things that they didn't really uh, maybe have full grasp of, especially how scientific uh, all sports are getting. It's pretty cool. Well, if you're in it, I, if, if you're in it at all, I'm sure you're fairly aware of it. If you're not, it might be things that you're unaware of unless you see, you know, whether it be through social media or through television, what's really happening behind the scenes. And, and if, if you're not, I don't know what to tell you because I'm here to tell it is. It's it's not slowing down either. It's not it's no. not going away. No, definitely not. You know, and I, the great the better the technology gets, the better information we have and I I like it. I think it's neat to know, you know, how this guy's maintains his speed throughout the game and if this guy doesn't or this lady doesn't. You know, I think that's all pretty cool and I think it helps uh, all of us uh, evaluate talent a little better. Even at our level, even at McKendry's level, we use it. So, um I think it's pretty neat, and I like it, and I hope people uh, kind of do some their little bit of their own research and and get into it a little bit because it's uh, it's a fun aspect of the sport that you you know it's not in the front pages all the time. Well, we shall see. As I said, I um, I'll be curious how the Blues come out of this break. Um, I don't. How do know. you think? Well, I I just I bet against them, so chances are they're going to come out of here and win about four or five. <laughs> That was such a wuss move. That's the truth. You wussed out on That's that. how it works, pal. You wussed. Um, listen, I, we'll see what happens. I, Who's I, the starting have, goalie when they come out? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a let, let's, let's address that later in the week. I, my head hurts. Seriously. Come on. Come on. I think it's... Uh... <laughs> Jeez. I, I can't. No, we're going to go bring, bring Huso up now. Now's a good time. Yeah, now's a good time. I'll tell you what, now's a good time. Cut bait with a few, but we'll see what happens. Like I said, going to require a check, folks. Going to need to make some trades.
going to uh, going to require some trades. Going to require a check if this is really going to happen. So Jonathan Quick, yep. St. Louis Blues. Oh boy, here we go. All right. So thanks for joining us. Want to thank again our uh, you know our partners as uh, as you mentioned as I mentioned as I mentioned earlier, Yo Radio, of course, and everybody over at LineUpMedia.fm. Our friend Randy Green at InnovativeCompanies.com, residential, commercial, industrial. He's got you covered. 35 years, 36 years now experience and a second generation craftsman, tremendous human being. Get to know Randy and all the gang over there, and I'm telling you, they'll take care of you. Great, great people. Uh, Adam Smokehouse, who brings us to live from an arena segment, which you'll catch later on in the week. Uh, over, located over in Watson Road, closed today on Monday, but on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, open till 7. It's not just for for uh, early eating anymore, folks. They're, they're staying open later. They've got more stuff. If you know anything about great barbecue places, they run out of stuff, so... You know, they're ramping it up to give you an opportunity to get more food later in the day. They also have the delivery going on um, for certain zip codes. So give them a call, see if you find, see if you lie in one of those zip codes. And, of course, if you have any catering or you want to do some box lunches, they do all that kind of stuff. Adam Smokehouse, folks, here's your cue. Adam Smokehouse on Watson Road. What's going on, Mike? We appreciate everything you do for us. SynergyHockeySkills.com, you heard us mention them. Uh, Jamie, you know, told you what's going on over there. Just Google it. Find out more. But if you're if you're looking for some training whether it be to get better have some fun learn a little bit you can do all those things over at synergyhockeyskills.com uh nelson family uh tied a chance to talk to mama nelson the boss as kimby likes to call her the other day and just checking in on how they're doing and um you know their 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 youngest is is quite a player their their oldest is playing for gary over at McKendry. just a tremendous family real big in the amateur hockey community here in st louis and again um Really, they do this to support us in the amateur community, but give them an opportunity for your business as well when it comes to any of your landscaping needs. NelsonLandServices.com, five-star locally rated company at affordable prices. Uh, let me tell you, no job's too big for these guys, folks. They do the biggest jobs, and they do them the best. That's NelsonLandServices.com. Don't forget to check us out at BluesNHLPodcast.com. Subscribe to the show there. It's free. Uh, we would appreciate it if you would do that. Uh, don't forget to find us on social media at STL Blues Podcast. If you're a Blues fan and follow us, we're going to follow you back. Hit us up on Facebook, type in Blues NHL Podcast, like our Facebook page, click invite your friends and get them involved as well. That'd be a, that'd be a lot of help uh, for us growing the show and, and reaching out to more Blues fans. Once you see the pinned post with the show, make sure you've liked it, commented on it, and shared it, and that gets you eligible for some of the wonderful prizes, compliments of our friends, uh, Jamie Rivers and all the gang at synergyhockeyskills.com. You can find us on Instagram as well, Blues NHL Podcast, and as part of the lineupmedia.fm network. See you guys later on the week. Let's go Blues. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.